There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Okay, and welcome to another thrilling Paranoia podcast. Uh, we took a little break. People were sick and uh, shit was going on. So we uh, did not make one for a while, but we're back. We always come back. Yeah. So it's I am Olaf. Yeah, stranger on. Well, I am Olaf Phillips. I am the publisher of Paranoia Magazine, and on the line I have. Hey, Ron it's Ron Patton. Patton. Yeah. Yeah. I'm editor in chief. How about hey, that? You know, you got to be something in this world, <laughs> and true. you're the editor in chief of Paranoia. <laughs> I wear several <laughs> hats, actually, but yeah, I used to be like we're, you. We're, I used to be like you. I used to be publisher of Paranoia. Yes. Yes. In in the yesteryears of mm-hmm. of bygone days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that you was were. enjoyable. That was down in San Diego, but uh here we are today with the fact, Paranoia Publishing Empire. In fact, little known fact, uh Ron has a tattoo across his back that says Paranoia. And I have, I have. That is true. I cannot given, deny it. Nope. And I, and it's big. It's really, really big. It's and huge. I, I, it is. It actually is huge. And I, I, as the owner of Paranoia Magazine and all trademarks of Paranoia Magazine and copyrights of Paranoia Magazine, <clears throat> I have granted him a irrevocable license to have that tattooed on his body until uh, time immemorial. Yeah, so when I die, then you, you can let- rip it off my back, right? You have a letter somewhere. I don't know. I think we should skin you. We'll skin you and put it in a, put it in a frame. Yeah, that's cool. I, I'll allow but it. You're an old fart. Yeah, I mean, I could croak any day, so. You're an old fart. <clears throat> yeah, but young at heart. You're, you know, that's what counts. You are, you are the, the best, in, most in-shape old fart person I know. I know it's weird. Well, see, the reason being is that I'm a hybrid, pot. You know, alien pot. hybrid, right? No, it's because of pot wrong. Pot? No, yeah. no, no. I hardly even do pot, man. I hardly even ingest it or smoke it. But uh, yeah, if you think okay. so, then you know, I guess yeah, it's pot. Give me but. a whiskey sour. Give me a whiskey sour and it's go time, but yeah, pot, don't do that. Yeah, but I, I'm an alien hybrid. Come on, let's let's just get it out there. Remember what uh, Cassandra still, what Cassandra said? Yeah, I'm still waiting. I don't know what I am exactly. Dude, I I gave you the information. It was very oh, yeah, that's right. Very complex uh, uh, star seed 
family. Yeah, very complex. complicated. <laughs> Me, I'm just a, a serious warrior. And I'm ancient warrior. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, actually, it was for the listeners. You know, if you didn't listen to that one, listen to it. It's pretty funny. She uh, she asked. She said that she could tell what I was by if I sent her a photo. So I sent her a photo of me, and then there's this long, long pause. I'm like, okay. She's like, yeah, you're a little more complicated. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's like we're waiting. Uh, we're waiting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like dead air. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but right off the bat, she knew what I was. So it's pretty accurate. That's oh, because yeah, because you're awesome, Ron. Ser- serious. All right. Well. Uh, Big news, the uh, new issue of Paranoia is coming. The spring um, it is 2019 issue. Spring 2019 issue, it is coming. Uh, it is being laid out. Uh, we have a very talented graphic designer down in Brazil that lays it out for us. She's laid out a bunch of them for us. She does a great job, and uh, she's laying it out as we speak. Uh, I don't rush her because she does a good job. You can't yeah. rush perfection. But... Um, yeah, it's coming. Uh, we got some good stuff in there. Got some really good stuff in there. Um, really good article about Alicia Lamb and the Cecil Hotel. That that's a that's a good one. Uh, Clyde's in there. I got a I got one in there. Uh, Ron, someday you have to put something in there. I thought uh, I got, did. We got. I thought I have that uh, article oh, about the secret plan of the illuminated Rothschilds. An interview that I did back in 2000 with Marion Knox. You did. And we have uh, poetry from Are You Serious? The guy who who founded Mondo 2000, if anybody knows what that is. I've heard. You know, yeah, it was born in, in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, Are You Serious was, a, was big in the whole cyber culture thing, cyberpunk stuff. Uh-huh. And he uh, he was kind enough to give us uh, uh, two poems that we put in there. Uh, and then uh, we've got some um, we've got some uh, classified ads uh, supplied by the Subgenius. I talked to Philo, Dr. Philo Drummond, uh, one of the co-founders of the Subgenius. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he graciously gave us some uh, Subgenius ads to put in um, for the fuck you boat and the flamethrower and other assorted things. So it's a it's a good one. There's some good stuff in there. Uh, directed energy weapons is mm-hmm. in there too. Right on. <clears throat> but that's not but that's not why we're here, Ron. Oh, by the way, uh, one plug real fast before we get to our our esteemed and honored guest. Um, I I will be at Contact in the Desert with Ron. Um, so if you want to go to Contact in the Desert and actually meet me face to face and possibly share a whiskey sour cocktail uh please come and visit if you do listen to podcasts read the magazine whatever uh come by and say hi um i don't have any tchotchkes to give you but i'll shake your hand yeah when's that contact the desert when is that may 31st to june 3rd i believe yeah so it's last weekend of may into june yeah i might even give you a hug i know ron will give you a hug ron's a hugger I, I am known for my hugs, so yeah. But he is he is they're very powerful, uh, serious Star Warrior hugs. Yeah, they <laughs> emanate a lot of cosmic energy. 
a lot of cosmic energy. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, tonight um, we have a very special guest on. Uh, we recently published her book, her first book, uh, The Celebrity Death Club, or no, sorry, The Hollywood Death Club. Um, mm-hmm. And we have uh, Celeste on the line here, and we'll be interviewing her. Uh, I don't really have a bio for Celeste, but I know her, <laughs> so I can kind of <laughs> fill in some of the gaps. Uh, Celeste has been an actual journalist, a real honest-to-God journalist, unlike the rest of us, uh, for many, many a year. Uh, she has written for newspapers, magazines. Uh, she's done all sorts of stuff in the journalistic world. And uh, one of her favorite beats that she covered was uh, the police beat. And she has an interest in true crime and the associated things. And uh, she decided to write a book about various celebrities and their bizarre deaths. Celeste, welcome to the Paranoia Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. No problem. I'm, I'm an early believer in the podcast, by the way. I have two yeah, t-shirts. The right Paranoia Podcast. <laughs> two different yeah, colors. She does. Two, two, two yeah. t-shirts. She was an early adopter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so did you actually listen to the podcast oh. prior to knowing Olaf or no. how did that come about? Uh, it didn't exist yet. As soon as he launched it, I was into it. I right just thought I would, I would do my part in the advertising of the podcast. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I've known Celeste for a while. Yeah. So, so Celeste, yeah, not, not many years. So now I got to ask you, so you know, you covered you covered the police beat. You seen the weird the weird stuff go down. How do oh, you yeah. how do you equate bizarre celebrity deaths versus bizarre normal people deaths? Are are the bizarre celebrity deaths any more weird than than some of the bizarre people deaths that you've seen? Uh, not necessarily, but they're there's more intrigue to these because there's so much money at stake with their careers, sure. with, you know, with everything going on with them. There's always a lo- much longer list of, of suspects when someone who's famous and wealthy dies too young. So, you know, the, the stories are that much more interesting and they're just, they die in so many bizarre and, and really frightening ways. Um, people who have like a, an entire career ahead of them uh, sometimes will just, just vanish off the planet or, you know, get too deep into alcohol and drugs and just be gone. And a lot of these stories, even after they're solved crimes or even after there's a resolution to it, you kind of don't believe it just because there's so much cover up going on too. And Looks there's like so Natalie many people. Will. Oh, <laughs> God, that one's just so blatant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone really believes the story that that uh, her husband at the time, Robert Wagner, told about that night. It's it just none, none of it makes sense. And he's still alive. He's in his 80s. And he just maintains, oh, she must have just fallen off the boat and drowned. And none of none of it even makes sense. They were out to dinner that night they were on their yacht she was terrified of water her whole life was so why she owns a yacht i have no idea but 
they were on the yacht. Well, yeah, you're rich. But don't you learn to swim if you're rich? I don't know. And you have a yacht. I would. At the time, yeah, she's starring in a movie with Christopher Walken, who was only in his 30s at the time, and his career was taking off. And there was supposedly a lot of chemistry between the two of them on the set. So there's that tension going on. Mm-hmm. And she was known to, to drink. She could, you know, she was Russian. She could put away some alcohol. Mm-hmm. And the three of them went out to dinner the night before she died. And they were seen leaving loud, obnoxious, making a lot of noise. And that night on the yacht, Christopher Walken goes to bed. And the two of them were heard arguing. And... Some hours go by, and Wagner calls up. I don't know what you call when you're on a boat. You call the what is it, Coast Guard, whatever, and says, um, my wife's missing. And lo and behold, the next morning, she's found in the water. Now, wasn't, and, wasn't she, like, wearing a jacket? Um, they, she was wearing her nightgown. No, they, she was wearing her nightgown. Yeah. And... A lot of people speculated maybe they had a big fight and she told them, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm out of here and tried to get in one of the little uh, inflatable dinghies and missed or, you know, fell in the water. Some people think she was pushed off. Mm-hmm. And the two of them had a really strange history, too. They had already been married once and divorced. Then right, they each went and had children with another person. Then they got back together and got married again. So, really, I didn't know. Yeah, that. so there was I didn't know that one. Yeah, I know. I didn't. That's strange too, you know. So if you imagine you're you're married and divorced from someone, you end up getting back together with them, getting married, and imagine if that person says, "Oh, that's it. I'm leaving you." Mm-hmm. That that would be a little embarrassing to be divorced from the same person twice. So I don't know. Worked for Richard Burton. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's true. He he just he rolled with it, but yeah. I don't know. That whole case just never really seemed believable. Mm-hmm. Huh. Hey, yeah, so I, have, I have a case that I'm interested in that I always wanted to talk to somebody about that knows about these yeah. weird Hollywood deaths. Um, Bob Crane. Uh, oh, Bob Crane! Bob yeah, is my in the book. favorite. Oh, he is. Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, it, it was just. Uh, it was, you know, he seemed like he was, you know, a very charming guy, and you know, yeah. a good character actor, and but he had sort of this other side to him, I guess. Uh, I I heard that he was like in these underground porn movies and stuff, and <laughs> yeah. all he kinds of them. stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And that's the funny thing about Bob Crane is he has he had such a a wholesome image, you know. Yeah. Especially on Hogan's Heroes. You know, he was kind of the straight man of this comedy show. And and then behind the scenes, even though he was married for 20 years, it was his like his dressing room was like porn central. And he was really using his fame and his uh, his role on the show to just bring in like a revolving door of women. Gotcha. And yeah. And at, like all offsets, he was also filming them. And there was a huge 
body of work <laughs> that he collected yeah. photographs you know videos all kinds of stuff and he had he had kind of a partner in crime kind of a wingman that he hung around with and and things got ugly between the two of them mm-hmm. not long before mm-hmm. uh, Bob was found dead now supposedly wasn't the guy that he the guy I think worked as the cameraman that he was he would film it right and I, right. I think that there was some there was some conjecture that he was he was actually in love with Bob Crane yes that's that's true that's what um his last name is Carpenter. He was one of his friends, and you know, from the LA area. Uh, John Henry Carpenter was his name, and he had spent all these years just kind of being the second in command. You know, of course, women were always drawn to Bob Crane because he was the star. So Carpenter would kind of get the leftovers or the rejects. Mm-hmm. Um, and he spent all this time with him, with all these women, and taking these photos, and and. Um, I think it was Bob Crane's son who later speculated that he was actually in love with Bob and Bob did not return the feelings at all. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a sad one. Or they're also, I, as I wrote in the book, there are also um, people spreading rumors that Carpenter owed Bob Crane a lot of money. So that's two strikes, you know, that Carpenter had against him. Mm-hmm. And, he was actually tried for his murder in 1994, but he was acquitted and he went to his grave denying that he had anything to do with it. Hmm. But there were few other suspects, few other people who, you know, like had access to knew what time he was home, knew everything about his comings and goings. And he actually, after Bob was killed in his own apartment, there were a bunch of tapes missing so, I don't know. Depends on That's who you believe, but yeah. And who else, you know, who else would know all the existence of all those tapes or who else would want them? And, mm-hmm. and he was also killed yeah. with a tripod. <laughs> so that does kind of point to cameraman. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was killed with a tripod. What, yeah, an object that believed to, you know, he was bludgeoned on his bed. And they were they believed it was a tripod, so wow. there you go. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that he had quite the setup, that he, he had professional-grade equipment. I mean, he was really serious about filming his adventures. Yikes. Well, he was in the business, you know. He yeah, was in yeah. – so, you know, he had access to that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what he expected would ever be done with his – library of films but yeah it's a very sad story and not what you... oh go ahead that that would assume that he thought about it <laughs> that's true maybe he didn't <laughs> yeah he was just thinking of making them not disposing of them <laughs> in a later date <laughs> that's true maybe just collecting them that could be it so, so he, what... he entertained a lot of women in his time so what's the weirdest one? Hmm. Aside from from Natalie Wood, what's what's the one that that you just totally scratch your head? I mean, I, I understand the Natalie Wood one is interesting to you because it's complicated. I mean, you, you got right. Christopher Walken, you got Wagner, 
you've got the the captain of the boat, you know, and oh, it's yeah. like how how can how can Christopher you know effectively be passed out has no idea what happened you know how could the, yeah. the captain of the boat have no but what's the weirdest one the one that really makes you think to yourself what the hell that I think that would have to be a tie between Michael Hutchins from In Excess who I have written about before for Paranoia mm-hmm. and yes, you have. Um, yes um, that one is very very strange. And um, David Carradine, who the two of them died in the same manner, which hmm. was characterized then as auto, what is it, autoerotic asphyxiation. Uh-huh, but right. very few people in their families believe that that's really the way either of them died. And both of them, well, Carradine really had some enemies, but Michael Hutchins, that that whole situation that he was, he had a child with uh, Bob Geldof, the musician's uh, former wife. And mm-hmm. that guy, he's leaving a trail of bodies everywhere he goes. So a lot of people think that he was, Michael Hutchins was murdered. Mm-hmm. And he was said to be in good spirits the night before and, and just, it didn't fit what was going on in his life at the time that he would, you know, he would take his life that way, that it would be yeah, a suicide then, or anything like that. And then it just gets weirder because the wife, I think she's dead and, and the kid's dead. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. their child together is not, but a daughter of Bob Geldof's peaches has died too. Right. I was going to bring her name up because she died at a very young age, didn't she? She did. Yeah. I don't remember. She was, um, and she had a, she had a son, I believe she, she Mm -hmm. had a young child and she was Mm -hmm. married and she died and they, they said it was a heroin overdose. Uh And same thing with his ex-wife, Polly Yates. She, a few, a few years, like four years or so after Michael Hutchins died, she died too. And so Mm -hmm. that left their child, an orphan mm-hmm. and who adopted the child, but Bob Geldof. <laughs> so he always has a way of making himself look like a saint, but, uh, but well, yeah, it I mean, sounds like there's a lot more. That's the thing about Bob Geldof that when you wrote that article, the, the thing that was very interesting to me is that, you know, I, I thought to myself, well, you know, I know who Bob Geldof is. I mean, he was in the wall, you know, he did, yeah. he did those, yeah. you know, you know, aid for Africa concerts and, and, you know, he was very famous, but I never actually knew the name of the band that he was actually in. Boomtown oh, Rats. you didn't know that? Yeah, there you no. go. Boomtown Rats. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've never heard a single one of their songs. Oh, yes. Well, they you had have. One, yeah. They had one real hit. He, that's the thing um, about Geldof, his career. He, his music career is not what made him famous. It was more mm-hmm. of like his promotions and yeah. television and everything else he did. But he, and also, like you said, he was in the wall. But right. uh, but still, he a lot of strange situations around him. And when people get in his way, they seem to die conveniently. So. But but didn't the boomtown didn't the boomtown rats. Uh, put out that song, I Don't Like Mondays. Yes. And, and yes. that was about uh, Brenda Spencer 
a she was a uh, I believe she was like 13 or something like that in San Diego and uh, she was just really upset and started shooting people at her school. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> so it was one of the first big school shootings. Yes, yes, yeah. and that and she the Brenda Spencer that was her name. She had came from a household of some very very serious abuse. Yeah. And, but when she was interviewed, they asked her why she shot up the school, and she said, "I don't like Mondays." So that's so that, that was their, their that. one hit wonder song. Yes, yes, I don't like Mondays. Hey, hey yeah. Ron, but but yeah. was she reading Catcher in the Rye? Uh-huh. I believe there was a soiled copy under the mattress. Yeah. Oh boy, sure. <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. Well. Uh, you that's it's not it's not really your your field for us but there's the thing about the catcher on the rye that a lot of a lot of assassins and and people who have been involved in assassinations they somehow seem to either be reading the catcher on the rye when they're caught or they're somehow obsessed with catcher on the rye really huh. yeah like yeah. mark chapman for instance yeah mark chapman oh that's right Sirhan, Sirhan. that's right Sirhan, Sirhan, wow. who can't remember anything. So yeah, is all... that? <clears throat> so does the book make you murder people? <laughs> is that what the guess is? No, it it sort of is used as a, a basis for um, some sort of operant conditioning, um, oh. and may, like put them in some sort of trance after reading. It, it's not even after reading the whole book. Maybe there's just a few lines oh, in the passage. book that they they read. And then that puts them in sort of some type of uh, suggestible or, yeah, altered state ah, consciousness. Wow. And then the trigger phrase or word is given to activate that program, whatever it is. And so, <clears throat> like with Mark Chapman, for instance, the, the person who may have likely given him that trigger phrase or code was the uh, doorman at the uh, Dakota hotel Um, and interestingly that the doorman i forgot his name but he was a cuban national who was a uh a cia asset after the bay of pigs wow yep and And then with it now this another interesting connection is that now with you you brought up sir han sir han olaf and uh he's the one that allegedly assassinated Robert Kennedy. Robert Kennedy. Well, the, the woman in the polka dot dress and, and uh, the guy she was with are also alleged Cuban nationals who were part of that same group that the, the uh, doorman at the Dagoto Adele was a part of. They were, they, were trained, they were trained under Frank Sturgis in Florida, who was a CIA operant. Yeah, it's like Delta wow. 88 or something like yep. that? Yep. Yeah. And I have an actual photo of that woman, naked photo of that woman in the polka dot dress. Guess who gave it to me? Do we want to know? Oh, yeah. Rod McKenzie. Oh, really? You know, he's he's the guy that, he ran the safe house for Sam Giancana when JFK was assassinated. So he knew... Esmeralda Martinez, that's one of her aliases. And he firmly believes that she was the woman in the polka dot dress. 
Because yeah, in, wow. in some, go ahead. But anyway, she is the one that gave him the trigger phrase, "Sir Han, Sir Han," uh, right before the the shooting started. So I'm, what I'm showing is like, wow, Cuban nationals giving trigger phrases to the shooters. So there you go. There you uh, go. Not 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 weird celebrity deaths, but well, I guess in a way. You know, well, John Lennon. And... John Lennon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, see, the, the reality is if, if whoever was on uh, J. Edgar Hoover's shit list usually ended up dead. If he didn't like you, you'd, you'd, you'd be terminated with extreme prejudice, you know. And yep. so, you know, back in, in the day with a lot of people in uh, political activists or uh, musicians... Uh, they would uh, basically sort of play off their drug use. And even though they may have not, you know, uh, used as much as what, what the uh, media says, but that, that was basically the, the, the rationale, oh, drug overdose, you know. Oh, so a lot of those were like, like for instance, Yeah, Jimi Hendrix or uh, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, which was interesting because... That all those three people died within a very short period of time. Yeah, well, you know about it wasn't even Jim a Morrison. year. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know about Jim Morrison. His uh, <clears throat> Celeste, I think I told you this, but Jim Morrison is actually particularly interesting because his mm-hmm. father, he came out of nowhere. That he just like came on the scene one day, you know, and and he. He could never explain to anybody how he wrote the lyrics that he said he'd just go up on the roof and get, you know, take some acid and the words would just flow out. But his father Mm. was an admiral in the U S Navy in the Pacific fleet. And his, his dad was actually in command of the, um, the fleet that had, I forget the name of the ship, but it was, it was the one involved in the Tonkin Gulf incident, which actually, was the the ignition point for the Vietnam War that the North Vietnamese had attacked the ship in the Tonkin Gulf and then we used that as a justification to uh, to go into South Vietnam to uh, aid the South Vietnamese in, in fighting the North Vietnamese and his dad was actually in command of that that fleet he ordered the ship to go there Wow and didn't he have a problem with his his family, most of it, Jim Morrison would, go, would say that his family was dead or he would was estranged from his father. He would always make a point of saying that he had no, yeah. you know, it didn't have anything to do with his father. Yeah. I remember but reading that still, somewhere. But it's still, no, no, it's I'm still saying, the, the interconnectedness is very weird. Oh, totally. And I, no, what I mean is he kind of laid it on thick, like, mm-hmm he tried yeah. to distance himself from his, his entire family to the point that he would lie about it. Yeah. And so they were all dead or, you know, he, he overdid it, which mm. is strange too. That is strange. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so aside from the celebrities, obviously, you know, by the book, but you know, you, <laughs> yeah. you were on the, how long were you on the police beat? Uh, probably a grand total of about 10 years where it was, I covered nothing but, and then I still found ways to cover crimes through my other jobs, you know, uh, 
when I was with Adweek, I, I covered part of a big uh, fraud scheme. So I always found my way back to crime somehow. <laughs> so out of, out of all the crimes that you saw, what was the weirdest? The weirdest? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough the one. The weirdest crime or, or death or whatever. Oh, uh, the... I, the weirdest death is, is still, I can't, cannot get that one out of my head. It was, I shouldn't have seen it. It wasn't a news story because it was, it was a suicide and it, I was at the morgue and it was, the name was just up on the board that day. It was one of their daily, you know, cases. And they showed me, the deputies there showed me the file and it was, it was a suicide where a man knelt down on the ground in front of a, a circular saw and put his hands behind his back and just leaned into it and cut his own neck. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. Was Uh. there was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a way to go. Right. Yeah. That that one still, it's probably been 20 years and it still bugs me. I just can't imagine. Yeah, why? How you could do that to yourself? Just, just awful. There know, was another, oh, some of them were oh. so sad too. A guy um, came in. I guess his, his wife had died, and they'd been married a really, really long time. And he left the sheriff's office, the coroner's office, where you go and get the paperwork. Left, went into a dumpster outside the sheriff's office, right there, and shot himself dead. Just. <sighs> Horrible. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. funny. You know, normally paranoia doesn't put out books like yours, right? We're, we're yeah, a conspiracy operation. But what was interesting to me about your book is that they, they, when you looked at these deaths, none of them were particularly normal, that there was always something weird about them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, know, um, you can yeah. talk about you know, this one or that one or this Hutchins or Carradine or you know, Salminio or any of them. But mm-hmm. all of them, without a doubt, had some level of a conspiracy involved, whether it was That's a conspiracy so to cover something up or they were linked to something like Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. They all, they all had something weird going on. And mm-hmm. I think that's what that was what was intriguing to me about it is that none of them were simple. The two the two, no. the two examples you gave were are very straightforward, right? Albeit very gruesome and and awful, but you know yeah. you you kind of you can kind of kind of surmise what the deal was. But mm-hmm. not a single death not a single death in that damn book is simple. None of no. them. No, I mean. They're not you even take. No, it's like um. Oh, what's her name? The uh, she was the actress. She died in the car crash. Jane Mansfield. Um, Jane, Jane Mansfield, Mansfield did the book. Yes, even that's yeah. not straight. You're right. That it's a car crash. Yeah. Simple, right? Nope. <laughs> right. There, there was enough going on there that you have to wonder, what in the hell really happened here? I mean, she was at that time. She was a friend or more than friends with the leader of the church of Satan. Anton LaVey. 
Right, Anton LaVey. And so yeah. and so people speculated that she had a curse on her. I mean, she was um she was also her she was dating uh her manager who was married. <laughs> so she she had a pretty long list of people who would have enjoyed seeing her die. And yeah, nothing is is as it seems in any of these cases. Nothing is straightforward. No, and and, and I think that that's why we I think that's why the public has an obsession with it. That, yeah. Oh, right. You know, you you know, you see these people they're at the pinnacle of their careers in some cases. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe they're even on the downslide, but they're they're very famous and they have these strange deaths. I mean they're just weird. Yes. Some of the stuff you found it's just bizarre. And it, you <laughs> it's just really bizarre. It is. You can't wrap your head around it. Well, I mean, right, I, like know, they say, yeah, truth is stranger than fiction. You can't make some of this stuff up. Come on, a, a curse from a Satanist? <laughs> you can't, yeah, you can't make that up. Well, you can't make Bob Crane up. I mean, you can't. Oh, I know. You know, yeah. Fatty Arbuckle, you can't, you can't make that up. Uh, <laughs> that one's horrible. That's just, it's, that that case is very, very strange. And It is. What's that about? It, it, I'm not familiar with that. Batty um, Arbuckle, um, he he was like implicated in the death of a, a Virginia Rappe. She was a young actress at the time, um, and it was actually it was a case where they either slept together or it, she was raped. It's it's not clear, but she died not long after from an infection. Mm-hmm. And but somehow the rumor or you know the accusation got out there that he you know, he was a big guy that he attacked her and he crushed her during, mm-hmm. in the process of a rape. And he was put on trial for that. And mm-hmm. it, any, you know, he had this, again, he had this happy go lucky kind of image in the movies of this, you know, just a cute kind of overweight guy. And once this came out that way, he was ruined. He was mm-hmm. absolutely ruined. Mm-hmm. And her death could have been a number of things. You know, she, I think she, she wasn't in the greatest of health and she drank a lot and she, you know, there was actually ended up being no evidence that she was crushed in any way. She died from an infection later, but mm-hmm. once everything was out there, his name was ruined. And yeah, there are a lot of cases like that where you, they make headlines for a while and then people never read the follow up or never find out what, what happened in the end. So there were a lot of people that still believe that he crushed a woman to death and yeah, just a terrible case. I mean, it's just like page after page after page. I know. I know. And even from different eras too, like the, this fatty Arbuckle was from the 1920s and you would think things would be a little easier back then. no, you know, just as many oh. weird, twisted stories, and then they go through the 60s, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I have so many other ideas that I have to have a part two, because I keep I keep driving around thinking, oh, I forgot that person or that person, and I have to do a follow-up right. book, because there, there are other ones that people ask me about, too, so I'd like to mm-hmm. at least include more, you know, in volume two. That's why I called this book volume one. Because I know there are going to be more that I want to write about. And it's it's interesting because, you know, when you look around, it's like nobody will talk about it. 
but the most popular podcasts and TV shows, they all revolve around this kind of stuff. And it's this kind of hidden, yeah, it's, it's kind of a hidden, a hidden, uh, kind of, um, obsession that people have not, not just for celebrity weird deaths, but for weird deaths in general. Right. Any kind of true crime is, is very popular. I think people are trying to figure out like what, what gets you to that point where you could do something, you know, Mm -hmm. that leads people to murder. How do I think that's the fascination with the psychology behind this kind of stuff and what drives people to do things like this or. I I think it's also, I think it's also the complexity of it that, that very few times, you know, are these, when people write books about this stuff or they do podcasts or TV shows or whatever, very few times are they simple, that they're always very yeah. convoluted. And, you know, it's something that we see in the conspiracy world, that, that there's never a clear answer. It's not like one plus one equals two. It's like one plus, yeah. one, plus one actually equals three. Well, why does it equal mm-hmm. three that day? Well, I don't know. And you've got to go through these twists and turns and tunnels and it's the mm-hmm. convoluted nature of it. Right. You always have these inexplicable elements and nothing ever really gets resolved. Or if it does, yeah, it's mean, not believable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. You know, I a while back I was doing a contest for Paranoia and on the Paranoia uh, Facebook page, I put a picture and it was it was on Air Force One after JFK had mm-hmm. died. And they were swearing in Lyndon B. Johnson, who has mm-hmm. for many years been implicated in the in the assassination. And right. and here, here's you know Jackie O, well Jackie Kennedy at the time. Here's Jackie Kennedy at the time standing next to Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson is is just taking the oath to become the president of the United States. Her her husband is dead on a slab at the at oh. the hospital in in Dallas. And she's she's laughing, she's just laughing her ass off. Damn. It's a picture. They're they're like laughing together. It's like, what the hell would make you laugh at that moment? Yeah, that's you know. It is. It's it's unbelievable, right? It is. What what else was going on that could that they could feel that way at that moment? Right. And who knew what? And, it, and what was planned? It, right. Yeah. And I, and I think it's I think it's the that dichotomy of the situation. It's like that's why people mm-hmm. are fascinated by this stuff. <clears throat> In the conspiracy world, there's a guy who carried out. He was a contractor, and he carried out a murder for hire uh, operation um, where he hired one of his his construction workers, I believe, to kill this rich guy that they were working on his house, and they stole the guy's cars and his credit cards and jewelry money whatever and they and he his motivation was that he was he believed that he was a, the reincarnation this happened in Marin that he was the reincarnation of uh of um King Arthur and then he believed that Marin wow. was Camelot and and then wow. so he got tried and convicted multiple times and he's sitting up he's sitting up in the prison up up north there and now, now he claims that the government is the government was after him, and that he was he was part of the secret space program. It's you know oh, you, oh, you can't wow. make this stuff up. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> yeah, Carrie yeah. Cassidy interviewed him. I was like, okay. All oh, right. Wow. Good, good job, Carrie. That's pretty Kerry. crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, but it's, we, you know, we have these weird deaths in the in the conspiracy world too but they're just they're not they're not as as celebratorial you know but they yeah. they do happen yeah like jim jim yeah jim keith is a that's a that's a that the whole jim keith thing is very very weird because it wasn't just jim keith so Celeste, you may you probably don't know who he is but during the the late nineties, he was one of the black helicopter right researchers and he did a lot about uh-huh. the New World Order and all this. And stuff. actually he wrote about mind control too. Mind control. Yeah, he wrote about mind control. Uh-huh. And uh, alternative yeah. three and, and a whole bunch of stuff. And he he had gone to Burning Man and he he fell off the stage and he broke his knee. And they had scheduled him for orthoscopic surgery. And he, I guess he told people, I should ask Erica, but he, he told people that he, um, he thought they were after him. And he said, oh, if they put me under, yeah, he said, if they put me under, I'm not coming out. And so they oh. put him under to do orthoscopic surgery. They don't usually even like put people under yeah. to do that. Why right? would they? Yeah. Right. So he, they put him under and he died. And then Jeez. I think it was like a month a month later, the guy who actually published all his books was a guy named Ron Bonds. And Ron Bonds ran a, a publishing company called Illuminate, Illuminate Press. And so mm-hmm. Ron Bonds, his wife, and another couple that they were friends with went to a Mexican restaurant in, in uh, Atlanta for, uh, for dinner. And he got really sick, really super, super sick. And he he had contracted something from uh, like salmonella or something from the food, and he died. I think forty eight hours later. The only oh, problem is they said they said he got sick from the lettuce in a salad, right? Yeah. But, but they all ate the it? same lettuce. Yeah, but oh. they all ate the same lettuce, and nobody else got sick. Only him. Oh Lord! And he died. Yeah. That's and terrifying. He was, yeah, but so, you know, these... Then there's a third these, person. There's a third person, <coughs> uh, Jerry E. Smith, who is his writing partner. They actually used to uh, do yeah, comic books Jerry. together before they got into, like, hardcore journalism. But uh, mm-hmm. Jerry Smith died of some fast-acting cancer. I saw him, like, right before he died. He was in Olympia. and uh, I talked to him. I yeah. talked to Jerry a week before he died. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he was he was ah. helping out uh, David Atcher Childress at Adventures Unlimited, and he was the he was the I was the fill-in host for a radio online radio show years ago, and I actually interviewed Jerry Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, there was another so guy. I forget. Yeah, it was like the entire operation pretty much got got wasted. Yeah. Yep. There was. Wow. I wrote an article about this first team show and later I put it in paranoia, I think, but they, there was another guy, uh, he was a UFO researcher and he, he was presenting at a UFO convention. Oh, I remember this one. 
yeah, he went up to do, there's, he went up, there's actually like video of it, I think. They filmed it. He went up to do the lecture and he, he, somebody handed him a Diet Coke. I guess he wanted a Diet Coke real bad. So somebody handed him a Diet Coke and he put it up on the podium. And then he drank some of it and he put it back on the podium. And then the light, go, the lights go down because he's gonna, he's gonna project onto the screen. He had like a slide deck and, and he fell over dead. And he was like foaming at the mouth and yeah. Ah, good God. That's horrible. So there should be a book yeah. about uh, real conspiracy deaths. Oh, I'm not <laughs> writing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to end up in the book. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah, I don't know. I guess yeah, you have to be brave to be writing about that kind of stuff. I wrote an article about it. I'm Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Conspiracy dudes dying. You, yeah, yes. you never get paranoid. Someone's watching you. Oh, we always you do. Know, but we love it. Yeah. We like the intrigue. <laughs> it's tantalizing. You know, but the, the reality is it, it's okay to be paranoid to an extent. You just don't want it to get the best of you, right? Yes. Yeah. Right, right. It's, it's balanced. We have balanced paranoia, or we try to maintain <sighs> a certain degree, a certain measure of balanced paranoia, you know. And, I like and that. skeptical paranoia. Skeptical yeah. paranoia. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a good but, term. Yeah, so they're looking at us. No, no big deal. They're they're monitoring us. And I mean, years ago, when I came to the realization that I was being um, under surveillance, and my phone was tapped and everything, it was like I was really upset and I was really scared about it. But then after a while, it was just sort of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, but you I mean, had like helicopters do? buzzing your house. Oh, I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. I was uh, I was safe housing a uh, MK Ultra uh, oh, wow. survivor, and uh, my friend and I, my friend who used to be a special forces guy, we drove from Olympia, Washington, to Salt Lake City to procure this woman, and. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird. Once we got in the car, she goes, so what kind of piece are you guys carrying? And uh, I didn't know what she meant. Piece? Piece of what? And my friend yeah. goes, gun. <laughs> uh, I don't have a gun. Do you have a gun? And she goes, oh. So you were supposed to? Uh, she was like, oh, no. You, you don't have oh, any? Geez. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. so- I didn't realize this was going to be a dangerous mission just to get her. But yeah, from, from bringing her to... Uh, my house and all the weird things that occurred, all the weird phone calls, people parking in front of our house, uh, oh. just hanging out there until I got my son's uh, aluminum baseball bat one day and started running toward the car. And oh. uh, the car just went, Erp, just spun out. Oh, we didn't have any problems with cars anymore. I, I was just trying to look oh. like a crazy guy, like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I used That's to hear the, the way clicking. To do it. Yeah. I used to hear clicking on the phone. So back in, now it's all digital. So they. Oh, I, re- you I know what you're tap talking a about. Phone. Yeah, you can tap a phone just digitally. But back in the old days, they were uh, manual, not manual, but they were actually hardware switches. And when the, when the tap would engage, you could hear it clicking. And I, I would hear the phone clicking or. 
the only really weird thing, like what Ron had happen to him that happened to me is that back in the day, I, um, I was at Davis and I had put up a UFO site. It was called the S4 database. And, you know, this was eons ago in the late nineties and they, it was, there weren't really a whole lot of websites at that point. So I thought, well, I'm going to put it up. And at the time, originally it was half UFOs and like half, like my random musings and like poetry and bullshit. (laughs) And I eventually took down the bullshit part and just had the UFO stuff. But I got this phone call. Uh, It was a Saturday morning and, and I was sleeping and the phone rang and um, this guy got on the phone and and I picked it up and I'm groggy and, you know, I'm not really thinking too straight. And the guy says, are you, you know, Olaf Phillips? I said, yeah, I'm Olaf Phillips. He says, do you have a website called the S4 database? I said, yeah, I do. He goes, great. He says, well, they're, they're testing stuff out of Beale. Beale was for a long time, even to this day, Beale was a reconnaissance base. So nowadays they only fly U2s out of there, but they used to fly SR-71s. And you twos and it's in you outside of Yuba City, which was about an hour uh, north of where I was in Davis. And he said, They're they're testing things out there and I know the schedule. I'm like, Okay, he goes, I'll call you back and we'll meet and I'll take you out there so you could see it. And supposedly at that time they were testing a, a, a black budget aircraft called the Aurora. And they were actually flying there was like an operational Aurora squadron at, at Beale supposedly. And people would see weird lights in the sky and, and weird sounds and sonic booms and all kinds of stuff. And he said, you know, I'll call you back and, and we'll go out there and I'll take you and I'll show you this stuff. And I said, all right. And so he goes, I have to go now. And he hung up the phone and I was on the phone with him for approximately 60 seconds. And, and, mm-hmm in order to trace a phone call, you need to be on for more than 60 seconds. So he hung up before a trace could be completed. Right. But I didn't know that wow. at the time because I was naive and, you know, I, I had no idea. I was just starting my descent into the hellhole that is ufology <laughs> and, and conspiracy stuff. And so I went back to bed. <laughs> I thought, Oh, that's weird. And I went back to sleep <laughs> and my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, co-parent she uh she woke me up and she said oh who was on the phone and i said i don't know some weird guy he called me he says they're ufos or black budget planes or something uh, but b only wants to go take a look and she she got wide awake like super fast and she goes wait a minute they called the house or they called the apartment i said yeah and and she was like well this is this was about ufo stuff and i'm like yeah and i'm still groggy and i'm i'm waking up slowly and she goes, well, how did he get our phone number? I said, I don't know. Oh, shit. And she says, oh. you, you know, you a-hole, did you put it up on the, on the website? And I said, no, of course not. And she's like, well, I thought our phone number was unlisted. And I said, well, it is. Because I, oh. you know, nowadays it doesn't matter. But back, back then, in the 90s, in the mid to late 90s, uh, you mm-hmm. could unlist your phone number. So we weren't in the yellow or in the white pages or any of that. And, and she's yeah. like, but our phone number is unlisted. And I said, it is, you know, I, I called Pacific bell and made sure. And she said, well, how did he get our phone number? Huh. I said, I have no idea. 
Oh. And he never called back. Ah. Yeah. I I wouldn't know and what to think. That's when the clicking started. That's when the clicking <sighs> started. The yeah. clicking went on for a few years, and then uh, I used to get searched like every time. I went on a plane. I got searched. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Every time. Not anymore, but but back then, every time I got on a plane, I got searched. And, and it was I, unusual I asked it then, right? Every time. In the 90s. Yeah. That, no, yeah. yeah. What I'm saying is people didn't get searched as much back then as they, no. have, they have since 9-11. Yeah. Right. So in the 90s. Oh, yeah. It was way before 9-11. Pretty, and I. Yeah. Yeah. And I. I've only been I've only been legitimately searched once, and i i flew to I flew to England with my parents when I was a teenager, and I actually I flew into to Heathrow on the last Pan Am flight into into Heathrow, and it was so funny because like people were like picking picking shit off the plane, they were like stealing <laughs> everything that said Pan Am on it, and I really didn't I didn't really have a clue, <coughs> and the this, the flight attendants were walking down the does anybody want cards? Would you like a blanket? We just got fired. <laughs> Take whatever you want. And, oh, yeah. And people were taking, like, oxygen masks. I mean, they were taking anything they could get. You know? mm-hmm. But um, when we flew home, back then the IRA was really, really active. And when we flew home, I put my Walkman, to tell you when it was. I had a, a yeah. sports Walkman, the yellow one. I put it through the through – the, uh, the x-ray machine, because, I mean, you have to, right? And the person manning the x-ray machine thought it was a bomb. And because the IRA was very active, they had SAS guys uh, in, all, in, in the airport. And so I got, they took apart my Walkman right there uh, to make sure it wasn't a bomb while I had my hands on top of my head and I had two SAS guys pointing um, SA80s in my head. <laughs> nice. And you're a teenager? Yeah. Yeah, I think oh, I was geez. like 15. I think I was 15 oh. at the time. Jeez. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I asked a guy, a guy I knew once who knew about such things. I said, why do they always search me? You know, I'm looking mm-hmm. for the not conspiracy, conspiratorial answer, right? Because I'm. I'm skeptically conspiracy oriented. Like, I don't want to believe that everything's a conspiracy. It just seems to turn out that way. But right. I, I asked this guy, so why do they search me? He goes, oh, you wear cargo shorts. I'm like, what? what? He goes, you wear cargo shorts or cargo pants. That must set them off. I'm like, that is the <laughs> most ridiculous, stupid ass BS I've ever heard that in my whole life. Is completely <laughs> stupid. Ooh, you're you're profiled for your cargo pants, okay? Yeah, you what can about put a lot of things in those pockets. I tell you, <laughs> I haven't. I you know I I changed I changed my methodology about how I sought out answers from people who would know answers to those kinds of questions, and I said, hey, why mm-hmm. am I getting searched every time? And they said, well, you're pissing somebody off. And so, well, how do I do what I do without pissing people off? And they gave me advice, and I follow the advice to this day. And I don't get searched anymore. Well, that's cool. And it was good advice. It yeah, must it be. Was, you don't get searched. No, it, it was it was it was asininely simple. Ah. It was asininely simple. 
Yeah, just yeah, it, yeah. smile and don't sweat so much. <laughs> oh, I told that you. Well, I told you. Too. I told you the methodology. Yeah. It's just not something that I think you can necessarily apply yeah. in your particular field of research. But it, yeah, there's a, there's a method. There's a way. So it wasn't that you can wasn't do the it. shorts. It wasn't the shorts. Mm-hmm. No, I was pissing somebody off. Mm-hmm. Somebody had control over something. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to think that. Who wants yeah. to think that? Yeah. Nobody. No. But but you know there are. You know, whether you're a celebrity or a normal person or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of weird deaths and weird things that happen. So that's, I think that's why I was so drawn to the book. I mean, I kept thinking, well, this isn't a conspiracy book. This is a bit outside my wheelhouse, but we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. This is interesting. I'm glad you did. Yeah, I'm glad you did. There's There are a lot of these cases. Uh, there are. Unlike. Yeah, like I said, I want to collect enough for the next next volume because there's so many that I I didn't do for this one that I really want to write more about or to find well, out who'd more you about. Miss? Who'd you miss? Oh, where do you even want to start? I mean, if we're talking pick about one. celebrities who pick one, Kurt Cobain, he wasn't in this book. <coughs> I mean, that one. There are documentaries based on that. You oh, know, yeah. that that's yeah, cool. that yeah, that his wife, that Courtney Love had something to do with it, and and if you want to go the Kurt Cobain route, what about um, El Duce from The Mentors? He was hit by a train. <laughs> he was hit by a train. Yeah, um, hit by a train. Well, wasn't yeah. he the guy that's supposed to? Uh, Courtney was going to pay him to knock off Kurt. Yes. Yep. Yes. Why is she still walking free? That's. <laughs> Well, that I don't and, understand and Michael that. Skype, he was implicated too, was he not? There was he a rumor was going in around with Michael orbit. Skype. Yeah. Well, yeah, she had a fling with him or something with him, and yeah, he wasn't. He's never been a really straightforward or trustworthy kind of person, in my opinion. But yeah, he was he was in that kind of Nirvana, Courtney Love orbit for a while too, and. That's just one I can think of off the top of my head, but they're they're a lot more like that. Yeah. Just too coincidental yeah. or inex inexplicable early deaths of people like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The inexplic the inexplicality of it is is I think what you know is most uh, interesting to people. Right. The one I have in the book about Brittany Murphy. That's that one still. I can't stand that one because nothing can be proven. She's the actress mm-hmm. who was in Clueless and mm-hmm. she died from what they thought was pneumonia, but she had been married to this kind of a con man, Hollywood con man type. And he died not long after her. Same thing. They said natural causes. Um, and it turns out, you know, there, there's no case, there's no murder case or anything, but one person who would benefit from both their deaths was her mother mm-hmm. and her mother had been living with them in the same house. And she tried, the mother tried to say, Oh, it's something in the house or it was black mold or something, something to do with the house, but she never got sick and she's still alive. Mm-hmm. But that's a very strange coincidence that both of them uh, would die suddenly 
and in such a short span of time. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Very. There's just too much. Yeah, she, it, there's too much of it. There really is. And by the time really like, by the time we wake up in the morning, there's going to be another two of them. You know what I mean? You can't even keep up with how often this happens. Right. Well, right. the thing the thing that always perplexed me was also that that they die in threes. You think? Yeah, a lot of people say that. I wonder if. Yeah. If we notice them in threes because we're thinking that, uh-huh. or if that really does happen. Uh-huh. But, you, you know, you mentioned that before about uh, the 1970s. You had Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, and um, Jim Morrison. Right. And I'm all sure those are, they were, right. And it was all the same year, and they're all about the same level in their career. So I think people Around 27, yeah, around the same Yeah, year. same age. Yeah, 27 same. club. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, a lot of these, like Amy Winehouse died at 27. And you have to wonder what comes first. Do they Are they nervous when they hit 27? Are they afraid they're going to die? And then they step into oh, it? I'd be nervous. Well, yeah. Or is that just the age where someone's career in music is really taking off? You know, is that just coincidental? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But Brian sure. Jones died at 27 too after he was booted out of the Rolling Stones which uh-huh. he founded and created right and yeah his, he's in the book too that was a very strange drowning mm-hmm. and uh. you have to wonder people benefited from him being gone so, so much wrong yeah right. so much so much. So much and so many so many potential books to be written. <laughs> I know. Do do you think so too? I think so. I think I'm, so. I was I'll tell you. Yeah. You you got me to publish a non conspiracy book. I mean that's that tells you what you need to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm right? I'm proud to Well it's it it's it's semi conspiracy. Come on now. It's not totally not non. That's true. There's some conspiratorial aspects to it, but it's it's not a conventional conspiracy book. No, it's a different kind of conspiracy. Yeah. Right. That that I'll give you that. Well, yeah, I think I could crank out a couple more volumes. <laughs> All right. Do it. So here we go in 2020, yes. part two. <laughs> Part two, volume 2019, two. 2019, Ron. 2019, we want number two. Yeah. <laughs> gonna, okay. Yeah, well, why not? I didn't want to rush you. It's already started. Uh, no, no. I, you can do it. I'm a pretty fast writer, and this came out in January, so it's already March, and yeah, I've already yeah. got it. I've already got a list going. Okay. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even have Mama Cass in this book, and yeah. that <laughs> oh, you know. Boy. Yeah. And there's you need just a two. lot of you need in volume two. Yes. <laughs> I need to All make right. sure there's another one. All right. Well that that that's the show. <laughs> you pulled it off. What All is right. this? The second one? Second show you've ever done? Congratulations. Yes, this will be my thank you so much. My second pot well, the other one was radio, so first podcast yeah, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes, first podcast. And we're semi-legit, too. (laughs) You guys are totally legit. legit. 
Well, we're we're the best Very amateur legit. hour in conspiracy podcasting. I believe so. Yeah, yeah that's job. what Rolling Rolling Stone said that I believe. Yeah, we can quote Rolling Stone. <laughs> yes. Nice. The best amateur hour in conspiracy <laughs> podcasting. He's lying. He's lying for us. I, I kind of wonder. I, I like, no, I'm 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 joshing. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> I, I never lie. I never lie. Uh-oh. I always tell the truth. No, I, I, I know somebody who always says that. I never lie, and I always tell the truth. <laughs> my, nice. friend, my friend Stephanie and I go, okay. Right. Yeah, if you have to say that, you're lying. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, that's right. Well, thank you for having me well, on. That, that went by fast. Yeah, it did. And, and thank you for coming on. You know, you had to stay up of late course. at night. We appreciate I it. I coffee to do this. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, do you know when you're going to have this up? Uh, probably tomorrow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fast. quick. Big turnaround. You yeah. edit that edit fast? It? Oh, you I don't? don't? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, you might cut out a little bit here and there, you know, but for the most yeah. part. Yeah. I think this was pretty flawless for the most part. It, yeah, most I don't part, think yeah. we had any any major hiccups or anything. Yeah. So, very cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Okay. Well, well, we survived it, Ron. I know. After <laughs> about a month. Well, I was sick, and yeah. then I was down sick. in California, and, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. But we finally yeah. got so. We got to do this more often. Back. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And it's a pleasure meeting you, Celeste. Yeah, great meeting yeah. you too. I've heard your name a lot. I'm glad to finally talk with you and everything. And I'm glad you're better too. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yes, Ron. We survived yet another another episode of the Paranoia Podcast. What episode is this? I have no idea. Oh, that would on. require me to actually pay attention. Okay. But I enjoyed it, <laughs> and I want to do it more often. So. Yes. I would like to do it once a week. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, you want oh, to get on uh, Paranoia sometime? The Paranoia podcast? Yeah. I'm asking my friend uh, Stephanie Burton here. She's, she's a really big fan. It's like every time I have a Paranoia podcast, she has to be here and listen. <laughs> she's my live audience. So yeah, that's right. she's our live audience. I'm, se- I'm semi-obsessed. <laughs> oh, okay. Obsessed is good. Yeah. Well, Ron, so uh, I think we're going to call this one. Uh, remember, everybody, uh, Ron and I will be at Contact in the Desert. If you want to meet us to see if we are real people, uh, yes. we will be there. Is Walter uh, Bosley going to be hi. there, too? Is Walter going to be there? Walter Bosley. Walter Bosley is going to be in the house. Right on. Clyde Lewis, Walter Bosley, Ola Phillips, and me. Ron, Ron Patton. Ron Patton. Yeah. Now all we need is a fiddle and, and a lot of uh, a lot of past blue ribbon, and we're going to be all set. Yeehaw! <laughs> Yeehaw! All right, everybody. Well, thank you again for listening. Uh, we're going to try to get another one out uh, next week. Uh, I have no idea who the guest is going to be. We uh, I do, but I'm not really saying. Figure that. I already know. Oh, you're gonna make it a you're gonna make it a surprise, Ron. Yeah, yeah. Top secret for now. 
That's how you can pronounce it. Yeah. I'll, I'll again, let you know like five minutes before the show. How about that? Perfect. But again, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate your support. Uh, the website should be coming back in the next uh, couple of days. Uh, and that's uh, paranoiamagazine.com. You can find Paranoia Magazine on Amazon. Uh, we have T-shirts at TeePublic. Uh, just search for Paranoia. We've got all kinds of crazy shirts. We've got CIA Airline shirts. We've got Top Secret Patch shirts. We've got Paranoia Podcast shirts. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Paranoia Magazine. On Facebook, Instagram is Paranoia Mags, where you can check out our my crazy adventures as a paranoid traveler. Um, I have the Paranoid Traveler up on YouTube. And if you have a Roku, uh, we have the Paranoia channel. And you can see my misadventures as well as a very curated uh, supply of conspiracy, UFO, cryptozoology, paranormal, and every other kind of TV show you can imagine. Uh, not TV show, but movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Classics from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Old stuff that is very hard to find. Check it out. And, uh, you know, send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Paranoia Mag on Twitter. We're all around. Well, take good care and keep the faith, folks. Be excellent to one another. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. ParanoiaMagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon, scottmoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental, ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at osi74.com. We are resuming control. For now.